0: Well, I'm so glad to uh, see you all today. If you're visiting with us, I uh, want to add my welcome. I'm Jim. I'm, it's my privilege to serve as the lead pastor here at Life Point Church. Hey, if you are our guest today, uh, we want you to know that uh, we, we're privileged, we're honored that you chose to worship with us. Uh, you've chosen to visit on a historic, pivotal day in the life of our church. Uh, our format this morning is a little out of the ordinary. Uh, so we want you to be able to make sense of what we are doing, um, and I and I know that thought in every guest's mind because they they think great every time I visit a church they're they're doing something unusual right, uh, but that's that's us today. LifePoint Church launched nine and a half years ago. We've been meeting and growing here at Timberline High School for uh, all but nine months of that time, and and. For the past few months, we've been progressively rolling out a church-wide three-year generosity initiative that we've called Vision Next uh, with the goal of one day being able to acquire land or a building as the future uh, home base for our mission and ministry in this community. And so today is the culminating Sunday. It's Celebration Sunday today, uh, as evidenced by the cake that you'll enjoy at the back uh, at the close of the service. Um, later in the service, here's what's going to happen. We're going to bring our first fruits offerings and our three-year pledges uh, and present them to the Lord as an act of commitment and an act of worship. And I just want you to know if you're visiting with us today, you are under no obligation whatsoever to do anything but relax and enjoy the service. Well, before we get into God's word this morning, we we thought it would be great to, to be able to hear from just a few people who have been part of LifePoint in the past, uh, as well as some who are presently active about what the ministry of LifePoint has meant in their lives. And so we have a, a couple of videos we want to share, video greetings, and then uh, there'll be a couple letters read and then a couple interviews this morning before we come to God's Word. So um, let's watch the
1: videos. Hello LifePoint, Leroy and Kathy Hurt here from Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It was our honor to host the initial organizational meetings of the church in our living room and we look forward to supporting you in the future. We're excited about your plans for a new building and we're going to be supporting you in prayer and financially as well. Roll Tide!
2: Go Huskies! Hey there
3: LifePoint, I'm Sarah and this is Sophie Jones. Hi. And we attended LifePoint for many years. Um, One of my fondest memories was being a part of the team that started the Grove Children's Ministry. Um, I had the best time working with people like Julie and Jen Barnum and um, many other people along the way, which was so much fun. I also enjoyed seeing children grow in the Lord. It was an amazing opportunity to be a part of. And I got to be kind of goofy in front of the church from time <laughs> to time, dressing up like Bob the Tomato and a flight Elsa. attendant. And yeah, the fake Elsa. That was a lot of fun. Um, however, one of the best things too was being a part of the life group, the Yankees. We were the best. Sophie, what was your favorite part of LifePoint? Well, I love the teachers at the Grove, including Mom, because she was one of my teachers as well. And just the donuts, they were so good. And I love donuts. (laughs) For sure. That's my favorite.
4: Awesome.
3: All right, bye. Bye.
4: So I have two letters to share with you today. Their first one is from Luke and Jen Barnum and their family. There they are. They say, hello, LifePoint. When we first moved to Lacey in 2011, we joined LifePoint Church, and immediately we experienced a genuine community of believers living life together. We have fond memories of our Sunday afternoons spent in fellowship with our life group and serving in ministry alongside fellow believers that became family to us. Hearing the news of your Vision Next campaign is exciting to us. God used our time at LPC to grow our family and deep relationships with others and really demonstrate the body of Christ lived out across the universal church. We are grateful for the time that we spent in fellowship and service with you all, and we look forward to the day that, by God's grace, we're reunited, possibly with another surprise Barnum baby in tow. Love in Him, Luke, Jen, Landon, Ethan, Audrey, Jacob, and Jackson Barnum. P.S. It comes as no surprise that we don't have an updated family photo since last summer. However, Jackson is about 20 weeks in the photo, the family photo. I've included a snapshot of our sweet new addition who, like the rest of the Barnum babies, resembles his daddy. The second letter is from James and Amy Nuxall and their family. Hello, LifePoint Church, and Happy Easter from Korea. It has been almost exactly three years since we departed LifePoint. A couple moves later, and we are now stationed in Pyeongtaek, South Korea. Since then, we've joined and created bonds with a couple churches along the way, but we always remember the time we spent with you. As we've talked with other Christian military families, there always seems to be that one church that had to be left behind and will thereafter be the standard of what we look for in every new church we visit. For us, that church has been life point. We met some lifelong friends and mentors within LifePoint and if we ever return to Washington, we will certainly be back. Some of the things we'll remember most about LifePoint are the long bike rides with life cycles, having our first baby dedicated there, and our awesome life group. We hope that your Vision Next campaign succeeds and that you'll still have an awesome nursing room for wiggly babies during the surface, although that library overlooking the cafeteria is going to be hard to beat that you'll still have good coffee, and that your church family will continue to reel people in with your warmth and love for Christ. Sincerely, the Nuxels.
5: Isn't that cool? Hey, uh, Ben, Ashley, Devin. We thought it would be kind of cool to interview a few of our youth. And so these three brave ones have have agreed to... Be victims, I mean participants. So, what's your name?
3: I'm Ashley. Ashley what? Niemeyer.
5: And what grade are you in?
3: I'm in ninth grade.
5: And how long have you been at LifePoint?
3: Five years.
5: And so that would have made you like fourth grade. Wow. You were like this tall. I'm making you feel awkward. Oh okay, um, so tell me how how have you seen God work in your life through LifePoint?
3: Well, so I started when I first came here. I was back in the Grove, and um, I kind of worked my way up through the youth group, and now I'm part of the high school and the youth group. But uh, through LifePoint, I've met some of my all-time best friends that I know I'm gonna like stick through with or stick with for the rest of my life. Um, I've learned from the youth leaders a lot about. Uh, like, not just God, but everything, like, from day-to-day life and just how to apply the knowledge that I learn in youth group to everything that I do, and that's really helpful.
5: And as you think about the future, what do you hope for LifePoint?
3: Uh, Well, I hope that this whole Vision Next thing goes really well um, and that as we continue on through the fundraisers and stuff, just what God wants for this church will really be completed and done. Um... And even if everything doesn't go as planned, that we'll still continue to um, share God's love and word throughout the community.
5: Thanks, Ashley.
1: (laughs) And who are you? I'm Ben Gothier. And what grade are you in? I'm a senior in high school. And how have you seen, how long have you been here? I've been here about a year and a half. And
5: how have you seen God work in your life uh, since you've been here at LifePoint?
1: Well, um, the biggest way I've seen God work in my life is just he's been teaching me, trusting him since I'm trying to plan for the future and all. And through those plans, he's teaching me just trust him that he's got a plan, obeying him daily throughout that and just giving him control of my life. Awesome.
5: And what do you hope for the future as you think about LifePoint and our time here?
1: Um, Like Ashley said, I hope that Vision Next succeeds and the church is able to get a building. Um, Just a continuing outreach to the community and reaching out to the people in need, drawing them to Christ. Um, A big thing I would like to see as well is just the youth group continue to grow, um, able to find a youth leader to facilitate that growth, to help people like me or Ashley so that we can grow closer to God and prepare ourselves for when we're adults. And Devin, sorry. Thanks, Ben.
5: Yeah. State your name.
6: I'm Devin Carter.
5: And how long have you been coming here?
6: Uh, Five years.
5: You're another one that I don't, I mean, you were just a little kid, and now you're like this grown man. Gosh. So tell me, um, what have you seen God do in your life since you've been here?
6: Uh, Yeah, I remember coming here for maybe like, the first time, and it was like a, oh, I gotta come here. My par—I can't stay at home. My parents drag dragging me to church, you know. And like, it's not like I seen God like through like all teachings through like uh, church and then like youth group. It's also like God, and it, does- it doesn't stop on Sunday. Like you don't just—it's not Sunday. You go through a week, and then it's Sunday again. It's like you have to carry it all throughout your day. And it's not about praying when there's people around or like wearing like a cross. Like it's about like the relationship you have with him and stuff like that, like praying before games and it's gone away from school to like sports with me and a lot of of it's not being nervous or like ashamed to follow him. It's like more now like, oh, you can see that guy or talk to me. It's like, oh, he loves God and he's a follower of God and, you know, he goes to church.
5: Yeah, that's great. They didn't applaud for them until the end. That was a good answer. Sorry, guys. So as you think about the future of LifePoint and the future of our ministry, what do you hope
6: to see? Uh, I hope to see, like, like reaching out to the community, like with, like, with, for the youth group, like Timo and Aileen also just having conversations with you and listening to Jim preach and talking to people in church. Like, you can tell that you love Christ and you, like, have a relationship with him. And it's not like, He's preaching because this is what he's supposed to do. He's preaching because he's, that's what he loves to do. And like, they're not teaching us because that's what they need to do to teach us. Because that's what they love to do and what they want to do. And talking with you guys and all of the conversations I've had, it's just like you like you love Christ like genuinely. And I want like that to get out to the community. Not like you don't have to go reach out and say come to my church. It's like you talk to someone. You're like, wow, that's like you like love God. Like, what do you where do you go? What church do you, so like I want people from the community to come in and also like the vision next. Just like that to succeed, and even if it doesn't, know that like God has a plan for everything, and like it'll work out the way it needs to work out.
5: Thanks, guys. <laughs> Greg Volkart, or yeah, you got a little bit of applause, Greg <laughs> Volkart. Everybody. <laughs>
7: Hey, I'm Greg Volkart, one of the elders here. Um, I'd like to call Linda McCauley to come up. We have one more interview to do this morning. All right, I'll I'll try it now. Linda McCauley, everybody. (laughs) Evan's been teaching me how to do that. So Linda, thanks for coming. Um, you and your husband, Bob, you guys have uh, been coming to Life Point for how long? About five years. About five years. And so h- how did you find Life LifePoint Church?
2: Uh, my husband actually did, um, just being out and about. And the extrovert that he is and talking to people, he found somebody that um, was attending here and heard great things about it. So we were looking for a church and thought we'd try it out. Okay.
7: And so... What has being part of LifePoint meant to you
2: personally? It's been amazing um, from the very first day, um, stepping in the door and hearing the music and being greeted so warmly. Um, I knew there was something very different about this church than any other church I've, I've been to. There is <clears throat> there's love here, and um, God is here. And uh, it was—it's been such a great place to learn. Uh, I really appreciate how Jim teaches, and, and God is clearly working through him, and I'm so grateful for that.
7: And then, in what specific ways has um, in what specific ways have you um, grown as a result?
2: Uh, so, oh, wow! First and foremost my relationship with God. You know, it's one thing to be a believer, and I have been as far back as I can remember, but to truly have that beautiful relationship with him that is transforming. I know he's there for me whenever I need him at all times. And, and life is hard, and sometimes there's a lot of fear and a lot of worry, or at least for me, um, anxiety, and I've really learned to, to trust God and find more peace, and um, it's, it's been a beautiful thing.
7: Our God is good, isn't he? He
2: is.
7: and, and then finally, as you look to the future, um, what can you kind of share a little bit of what your hopes and dreams are?
2: Well, I certainly hope that LifePoint continues to reach more people and transform more lives. I mean, I I can see what it's done for me. Um, God needs to be a part of every part of our lives, and I just think we need to reach more people, and I I really look forward to that, to our church growing and doing that.
7: Thank you, Linda. That's great
0: stuff, isn't it? Great to hear God at work in, in people's lives. And uh, for each of the people that have been up here, it's been fun watching God at work in you and, and to see uh, his transforming work in your life. Well, someone once defined vision as the willingness to plant trees in full realization that one will not live to sit in their shade. 1 Chronicles 28 to 29 contains a a representation of that kind of vision as King David prepared for the construction of the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, King David would not live to see the fulfillment of this, his greatest vision, his greatest dream, his greatest passion, but, but he fully invested himself. In preparation for its construction, which would take place after he was gone, during the reign of his son Solomon, and I'd like to uh, just take you on a little sightseeing trip through these two chapters. If you have a Bible, go ahead and open it to First Chronicles 28, uh, or turn on your Bible and sc- uh, you know, scroll to uh, to First Chronicles 28. I want to begin at verse 2 of chapter 28, where it says that King David rose to his feet and said, Hear me, my brothers and my people. I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God, and I made preparations for building. I want you to notice that phrase, I had it in my heart. I had it in my heart. Biblically speaking, uh, the heart is first the center of our intellect or our thought processes uh, we today think of our brain our mind but in the ancient times it was the heart that was thought of as that center and there was a day when the thought first entered david's mind and he said i could i could i i, I could build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the lord i could build a temple but it was just an idea at that point secondly though from a biblical perspective the heart is also the core of our affections and that's the way we americans generally think of the heart david's thought about a temple for the lord soon morphed from i could to man i want to It became a desire. And he began to love the idea because David loved the Lord. Also in biblical context, the heart is the wellspring of our conscience. The wellspring of our conscience. At some point, God started watering the seeds of David's idea, and it began to grow and change from, I want to who I should, and from there even I must. Building the temple grew from a, a mere item on David's bucket list to become his passion. It became David's grand obsession in the latter years of his life. But there's also one other observation about the heart in the Bible that's noteworthy to this conversation, and that is that the heart is the throne room of one's life. The heart is the seat of the will, uh, the place where decisions get made, executive decisions and, and orders get handed down. So for David to say, I had it in my heart to build a house of rest for the ark of the covenant of the Lord and for the footstool of our God, and I made preparations for building, meant this, that in the final analysis In his heart, he had made a journey from I could to I want to to I must that culminated in a decision, and he said, I will. This is something that's going to happen. And he never looked back. And the story from Scripture is valuable uh, for us at this point in the life of our church because it has this in common with where we are at today today. That is primarily about getting ready to build and not yet about actual construction. Verse 1 says that David had assembled in Jerusalem. Check out this list all the officials of Israel, the officials of the tribes, the officers of the divisions that served the king, the commanders of thousands, the commanders of hundreds, the stewards of all the property and livestock of the king and his sons together with the palace officials, the mighty men, and all the seasoned warriors. It must have been a massive crowd. And as he shared his vision, they were his audience. Why them? Why did he assemble them first? It's because of this that David knew that what was on his heart uh, that if what was on his heart didn't also capture the hearts of, of the leaders and the influencers of the people, the vision may never be fulfilled to any meaningful degree. And it's still true today. As the leaders go, so will go the church. As go the leaders, so will go the church. And I want you to know that... Uh, vision next really is on the heart of our leaders and thus far uh, the the leaders have pledged a total of three hundred and twelve thousand dollars that's grown considerably even from last sunday well who are the leaders well they're they're kind of a conglomeration like david had called together we we think of the leaders as the pastors the elders the ministry leaders the financial leaders the life group leaders the teachers influence leaders They're the ones who in the story of Joshua leading the people across the river would have been the first ones to put their feet in the water. And in fact, because of various personal circumstances, many of the people on that list here at LifePoint have not yet had the opportunity to make their commitments. So I I believe that we're off to a great start and that that our leaders are leading the way. As go the leaders, so will go the the church. So let's move on in the sightseeing tour to chapter 29 and verse 1 because there David the king said to all the assembly that same group of leaders that we saw earlier the work is great he said for the palace will not be for man but for the Lord God. The palace will not be for man but for the Lord God. He's using the word palace there, he's talking about the temple. What was to be built was not for man but for God. It was a house for God. We saw in the story of Joshua crossing the Jordan and all the nation of Israel that the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord was the symbol of his power and presence among his people. And this temple at its core, in the Holy of Holies, the most holy place, sat the Ark what was to be built was not for man, but for God. And there are really four points that we have been making, trying to make, trying to communicate about our vision for a permanent facility for Life Point Church that corresponds to this. First, we want our future home to be a place where the gospel of Jesus Christ continues to be proclaimed, and where the Bible, God's word, continues to be faithfully taught in all the years ahead. Secondly, we want our future home to be a place where real disciples are made, Uh, a place where people of all ages, children, youth, adults, will be introduced to Jesus Christ and led in a growing relationship with him. Third, we've been saying that we want our future home to be a home base for meaningful community service to better meet real needs in our community in the name of Jesus. We have established a legacy of service here at LifePoint. We are, have been an externally focused church. We've had on our minds and on our hearts the needs of our community. We want to continue doing that. Fourth, we want our future home to be a missional center, a place where new dreams of faithful, creative obedience to Jesus Christ are born in the hearts of new generations of life point, where new churches are born and launched, where the next generation's pastors and missionaries and church leaders and cultural influencers are developed. You may have heard the story of uh, two stonemasons who were working side by side on a project in a major city, and they were just getting started when a, a woman came by, and she was curious at what was going on and the nature of the project, and she said, excuse me, could you explain to me what it is that you're doing? And one of the bricklayers said, well, I'm laying bricks. I mean, what does it look like, lady? I'm laying bricks the other one replied i'm building a great cathedral and their respective answers reveal the scope and the extent of their respective visions we just keep laying bricks one was just laying bricks. He had his head down. The other was laying bricks with his head down as well. It's important to have your head down when you're laying bricks. But the mind and the heart of the second man were soaring upward as he worked, with a great cathedral in mind that would bring honor and glory to God. See, at life point, we, we can just keep laying bricks. We can just kind of keep going through the motions or we can allow God to form and shape our visions into something much greater that the Holy Spirit of God will will use in our lives and in the lives of future generations is really a matter of vision. Potentially of planting trees in whose shade we will never sit. This I know, that that nothing of consequence has ever been accomplished for the kingdom of God without the sacrificial investment of godly, visionary, courageous, selfless men and women. Well, we have a few more stops on this journey. Let's keep moving. In chapter 29, verses 2 through 5, David itemizes what he was prepared personally to give for the construction of the temple. And he gave (laughs) extravagantly large quantities of wood, precious metals, precious stones, gold and silver from the national treasury, and then from his personal wealth. And there are some numbers provided there if you take the time to read it, and I... I just got interested in what the actual value of David's personal contribution might have been in today's dollars. Uh, Not all that he gave is quantifiable, but this is just just based on the numbers that he provides. Here's what I found. Based on the, the quantities of gold, silver, bronze, and iron indicated, based on this week's prices, March of 2018, David's contribution to the temple would have been well in excess of $300 billion. And then in verse 5b, he lays down this question to the others Who then will offer willingly, who then will offer willingly, consecrating himself today to the Lord? And here's what happened the leaders responded that day. And they too gave generously and sacrificially. And in today's dollars, their contribution would have been in the vicinity of 20 billion. And in verse 9, it's recorded. Listen to, what, listen to this. Look at it on the screen. Then the people rejoiced because they had given willingly. For with a whole heart, they had offered freely to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly just notice that with me the the reason for their rejoicing was not that they had reached a designated financial goal or or that they had together given over 320 billion dollars they had obviously given at an incredibly generous even extravagant level But verse 9 is telling us that the real reason for their joy that they experienced was simply this, that they had given freely, willingly, and with a whole heart. Last week we saw that principle that in the feeding of the 5,000, that the miracle didn't take place in the hands of Jesus. Miracle took place when he took the bread and the fish and put it back in the hands of the disciples, and they did with it what he commanded them to do. That's when the miracle took place. The great miracle in vision next will be this. If there is a miracle, it will be this that people like me who are normally self-centered, self-absorbed, greedy, selfish, (laughs) self-seeking, self-serving, give sacrificially, freely, willingly, with a whole heart to the Lord for his purposes. The next stop on our journey is David's prayer in verses 10 through 19, and I don't have time to unpack the entire prayer, but I just want you to see the central theme because there's a theme that's repeated five times in David's prayer here in 1 Chronicles 29. It's found in verse 11, twice in verse 12, and then again in verses 14 and 16. Let's begin with verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory And the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Who owns it all? (laughs) The Lord. Verse 12a. Both riches and honor come to us from you. You're the one who makes wealthy. You're the one who gives honor. Because it's all yours to begin with. Verse 12b. In your hand... In your hand are power and might, and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. Verse 14, for all things come from you. All things come from you, and of your own have we given you. In other words, everything that we have came from him. You might remember that old commercial, this guy sitting in a chair with a pipe and saying, you know, I got my money the old-fashioned way I earned it. <laughs> and it's true. We earn. We work hard. But it's the Lord who gives the increase. It all comes from him. And as we give, we're simply giving back what he has allowed us to enjoy. Verse 16, O Lord our God, All this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. Nothing you and I have is ours forever. It's given to us as a stewardship. Everything we have, everything we think we own came to us from the hand of the Lord so that when we give to the Lord, we're only giving back to him what is already his. What he placed on loan to us as his stewards, his financial managers for a time. And the beautiful thing is that when we get clear on this foundational truth, we begin to understand the overall teaching in the Bible on financial stewardship. And we begin to experience the depth of gratitude and joy and giving that we read about in this passage and others. But until we get there, until we capture that and and understand it in our in the depths of our souls we'll never experience the the joy of giving wholeheartedly in verses 17 to 19 David returns to matters of the heart it's recorded there that that David submitted his heart his motivations his personal integrity in giving so generously I mean lots of things can happen when you give generously you can become prideful you can, you know lots of things David submitted his heart to God's scrutiny and then he prayed for the hearts of the people and the heart of his son Solomon who would succeed him as king see the matter the heart of the matter in financial stewardship is always a matter of the heart heart of the matter in financial or in sacrificial generosity is always a matter of the heart finally david called the people to bless the lord and they bowed their heads in prayer it says and then they presented sacrifices and offerings to the lord and celebrated celebrated with great gladness That's what today is about. So now as your pastor, I'm inviting you to do the same. I'm inviting you to bow your heads in prayer as they did. And then I'm inviting you to come and present your commitment to vision next to the Lord. There's a box there at the foot of the cross. I'm going to ask that you come up the center aisle and and come around this way. Uh, First hour we had people running into each other because they were coming both ways. Just circle around to the center aisle and come up this way. Uh, in just a few minutes. And then we're going to join together in blessing the Lord in a couple closing songs. So so here's what's going to happen. We're going to enter into a few minutes now of silent prayer. The band is going to come, and they're going to play softly. And and as we bow our heads in prayer, I want to just ask you to recall David's question to the congregation of Israel. Who then will offer willingly consecrating himself, consecrating herself today to the Lord. You know, we've been asking you to prayerfully consider over these weeks what God would have you give, and, and maybe you just allow God to speak further to you during these moments of prayer. Uh, and then I'm going to, after a few minutes, I'm going to give the nod to the band to lead us in a, in a song, and, and that'll be your cue to come. And uh, when you're ready, come and place your commitment in the box. And uh, you might also want to take uh, communion uh, at that time and then return to your seat. And, uh, and, and then when that song is finished and we're all back in our seats, we'll, we'll bless the Lord together in one final song of thanksgiving before we're dismissed. But let's bow together now in prayer.